have you here today. Man, what a, what a great day. We, uh, we all got together just to celebrate that the Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. Let's go. Let's go. Let us never take it for granted, people. Let us never take it for granted because I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, a Lions fan, and I know the misery of having a losing team. And so we don't want the Lord to smite us. So... Let's just give him praise for the Chiefs. Come on, somebody. Let's just give God praise for the Chiefs. Uh, Want to take a minute and welcome everybody who's also watching with us online. Come on, church. Can we welcome everybody who's watching online with us today? And can we give it up for the host today who had to work extra hard putting extra rows back over here, finding people's seats? Good job, host. Um, okay, so we, are, uh, we actually started something last week. We're uh, going through the Bible in a year. So we, we started this last year. We did it last year. It was absolutely fantastic. And we're doing this again. And I really, really recommend going through the one-year Bible uh, with us. It's a powerful, powerful experience. Uh, keeping up with us, all, the whole church going together through the Bible is really, really cool. And uh, I wanted to give away the Bible that I use, all right? So we have four of the Bibles that I use. How many of you could use a Bible? Just raise your hand real quick. Come on, just hand it out to the four people who raise their hand. This is a little, little bit of a, I think we're, oh man, this side really got blessed and nothing over here. No love, no love. Um, sorry about that. Uh, you can stop out in the lobby, all right? You can stop out in the lobby. We have this for sale as well. Uh, but I want to encourage you to go through the Bible with us. You can follow along. There's something powerful about just digesting God's word, getting it in you. It will change the way you think. It'll change the way you uh, look at things. It'll change the way you act. It will change everything about you. Uh, change the way you think, change the way you live. And, and the Bible has a way uh, of doing that for us. I want to encourage you to go through the Bible with us. It's going to, be, uh, going to be a really, really great year. Excited for 2023. If you're excited for 2023, say I am. Oh, and the clap. Yeah, love that. Love that. All right, hey, we are starting a new series. We're looking at the book of Matthew. And uh, the reason we're doing this is because it's all about learning who Jesus really is. Um, you know, we, have you ever had a moment where you, you met someone, you thought you knew who they were, and then they turned out to be someone completely different? Just raise your hand if you ever had that experience. Like, this could be good or bad, right? Like, sometimes it's like, okay, I, this is ad advertised or as advertised, like, I you are who I thought you were. And then sometimes people are like better than advertised, right? You're like, you get to know someone that you didn't think you were gonna connect with and you're like, ah, I really like you. I think we could be friends. Have you ever had that moment? Like anybody, okay. And, <laughs> and, and, then, and then, you have, then you have a moment where it's like not as advertised, not better than advertised, but worse than advertised. Anybody ever had that moment? Where you get to know that person and just like, oh man, this is just, like, wow, I thought you were one way and whoo, you're completely different. And we're married. And uh, so it's too late. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but Jesus, I wanna, I wanna talk to you about Jesus today because Jesus is actually better than advertised. When, when you meet Jesus, he's, he really is. That's not, I'm not just saying that, it's not just preachy, it's not just easy ad, uh, amen fodder, although it is. Uh, it's actually true. Jesus is better than advertised. When you meet him, you're like, oh man, you're actually, you're actually better than I thought you were. I want to know you more. I want to spend more time with you. And, 
And the reason I can say that with confidence, not only from my personal experience, but the Apostle Paul, maybe somebody who knew him better than anybody, says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, for I resolve to know nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Come on, everybody with strength say nothing. nothing. I resolve to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. Now, Paul knew a lot of things. Paul knew a lot. In fact, Paul could have won a lot of one-up contests. Have you ever been in a one-up contest? Like most of the times we find ourselves in a one-up contest, we didn't even realize we were. You know, it's like you're sharing about your vacation over Christmas. You're like, yeah, we, we, we took the kids to, we, we splurged. We took the kids to Branson and, uh, you know, and we went to Silver Dollar, you know, and we spent the money. And then the person's person like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We went to Rome. And so you're like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it was just, you, 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 Paul could have won a lot of one-up contests. He had been to the third heaven. He had seen the resurrection, resurrected Christ. He knew a bunch about the law and was really good at keeping it. He preached to countless people. He started churches. Uh, rags of sweat were taken from him and healed people all over the Mediterranean. The dude was a baller for Jesus, okay? So he was an all-star. He knew a lot of stuff, could do a lot of stuff, but he says this in Philippians chapter three. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And he, send, he wraps it all up with this. I want to know Christ. I mean, think about this. That guy who had done all of those things was such a was such a big deal for God is saying this, but you know what I really want? It's not about the, the big uh, crusades. It's, it's not about the fact that I'm healing people with sweat from my face, which is gross, by the way. Come on, somebody, that's gross. He's saying it's not about all of that or starting churches or traveling or, or doing all these things or, or writing most of the New Testament. It's not about any of that. What he says is, I want to know Christ. I want to encourage you this year, 2023, the best thing that you could say is I want to know Christ. Whatever I've done, whatever I've experienced, whatever I've uh, amassed, whatever I've accomplished is really nothing compared to knowing Jesus because Jesus is better than advertised. Jesus will change everything about you. He changes your perspective. He changes your heart. He changes what you live for. He changes what you long for. He changes everything about you and he is worth pursuing and he is better. And it's, it's almost like the apostle Paul is like, I've, I've known him, but I've just begun to taste him. And I want to, I want to encourage you, that's how, that's how good God is. The more you taste, the more you're like, mm, that's good. It's like Andy's frozen custard. I know that might sound sacrilegious, but Jesus is obviously better than Andy's. But I'm just saying it's like the more you taste of God, the more you experience of God, the better you will find him to be. And that's why we're going through the book of Matthew. Because Matthew has this firsthand experience with Christ. 
He knows Jesus. He's walked with Jesus. He's seen Jesus. He, he's seen Jesus in front of the crowds, and he's seen Jesus behind the scenes. And he's like, he's worth knowing. Matthew wants you and I to know that Jesus is worth knowing. He's worth following. He's worth pursuing because Jesus changes everything. He changes our priorities. He brings meaning and purpose to every interaction we have. He gives hope. He gives joy. He gives peace. That's who Jesus is. And that's who Jesus wants to be. And so that's what we're doing in this study. We're going through Matthew. We're going to learn who Jesus is. We're going to get a close up, firsthand account on Jesus. And so uh, you have this in the Bible. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of these are our perspectives, different perspectives on the life of Christ. Uh, and they're all trying to get us to learn something different about who he is. They're all trying to get us to see Jesus in a different way. And what Matthew is trying to do specifically is trying to show us that Jesus is king of the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. The kingdom. All right, now as soon as I say that, some of you are ready to do the tomahawk chop. I know it. I know you're just ready, you're like, you're just ready to just go. I'm not talking about that kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom that is the, 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 the greatest kingdom, the real kingdom, the substantial kingdom, and there is only one chief. Come on, somebody, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> um, the kingdom of God, what is it? It's the kingdom of the spirit. It's the kingdom of our heart. It's the kingdom of our souls. It's where, it's where God reigns. It's where we look to him as king and we follow him and we line up our lives with him and he brings us meaning and purpose and peace and forgiveness and salvation. And Matthew is wanting us to understand that Jesus is the rightful king for the kingdom. In fact, uh, Matthew so emphasizes kingdom of heaven, it's found 34 times in the entire Bible. 32 of them are in Matthew. So, so he is... He's, big on this idea that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And I really believe that for Matthew, it's because he lived for a different kingdom. So Matthew had previously given his allegiance to Rome. He was a tax collector. And, and when you're in the church or in, in reading the Bible, the tax collector are the bad people. So when you hear the word tax collector, you say boo. Everybody say boo. This, is, this guy is not, he's not a good guy. He, he had sold out his countrymen for money. That's what, that's what a tax collector was. Because Rome was the occupying regime and they wanted to collect taxes. And so they, were, they paid people who were locals high dollars because they spoke the language, knew the customs, knew who the players were. And they're like, hey, we want you to enforce these taxes. And it was almost like a mafia type environment. They'd send in the heavy, the heavy hitters, beat people up, rough them up if they didn't pay the taxes. It was not a good thing. And so everybody knew that Matthew was the traitor. He was the sellout. He had given his allegiance to a different kingdom. And you know what he found it? Lacking. And it's, it's true spiritually as well, isn't it? When we give our allegiance to kingdoms other than the kingdom, it will leave us lacking. When you give your allegiance to lust, it will leave you lacking. When you give your allegiance to money, it will leave you lacking. When you give your allegiance to stuff and fame and status and accumulating more and more, it will leave you lacking. But when you live for the king and his kingdom, it will always satisfy. And that's, and that's what Matthew is trying to get us to understand. 
He's like, man, I've done that and it ain't worth it. You need to live for him and his kingdom. And so we're gonna start Matthew uh, chapter one. And surely we're gonna skip that first part. That's like, you know, all the names, right? We're gonna skip, that's just, no, we're actually, that's where we're starting. The genealogies, come on somebody. You picked a good day for church. The genealogy, if some of you are new to the the Bible, turn to Matthew chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, download the Bible uh, app on your phone. We'll have the verses on the screen. But this is, this is the part we normally skip in our Bible reading plan. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if it, when you get to this point, and like maybe you're short on time when you have your devotionals, you're like, yes, I get a free pass today, you know? Like, it's like in catchphrase, you get to skip, you know? You get to skip that. Like, and, and what I, I wanna do is I don't wanna skip it. I actually wanna dive into it because I believe these genealogies uh, or this genealogy is powerful. I believe that it can change our lives. I believe it can change our perspectives. I believe there is a bit of genius in this genealogy. And that's the, the title of today's message, the genius of genealogy. Genealogy is big business today. Ancestry.com, 23andMe, People do DNA testing, just out of curiosity, I just like to know how many of you have done something like this, some type of deep dive on your, on your family history. Just raise your hand, anybody, okay? Several of us. There's a lot of people doing this and it's not cheap and it's a, it's a full thing. We're just knowing who we are and where we came from. Um, I, uh, I, I've done a little bit of this. I, my sister's really the expert in our family. Everybody know like there's one person, like there's a family historian. You know, my sister is this person for us. And so I ran this by her just to make sure that I was right. Um, but my great-grandfather is, uh, was from Poland. So he, lived, he was born in Poland and moved from Poland uh, to America. And he moved to uh, America to fight for the United States in World War I. So he moved here. There was some type of deal that they had where you could come and you could fight for, world, uh, for America against the Germans and then you could get, I don't know if they just, I don't know what they did, but there was some type of incentive, tax incentive or some, some type of benefit um, to, to, to fighting for the United States. And so he did, and then they moved here and he was a window cleaner. Um, and uh, his son uh, was my grandfather and he married another immigrant's daughter who, on, who owned a window cleaning company. So he became a window cleaner as well. And and bought the company from her father. And so then, so my great-grandfather was a window cleaner, my grandfather was a window cleaner, and then my dad was a window cleaner as well. Started his own window cleaning company. So y'all, I was born with a squeegee in one hand and a mop in the other, okay? <laughs> True story, but I rebelled and went into the ministry, come on, <laughs> praise the Lord. Some of you might know your genealogy. You might be proud of it. You might be like, oh, my dad and my grandfather. Like, or some of you might not be as proud. You might be more ashamed of your genealogy. Look at it. But the reality is that it's part of who you are, and it makes you who you are. And in Jesus' day, it really mattered. It really mattered. They tracked their lineage. Some of them would track it all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve, they would be able to track their lineage. And it really mattered because your genealogy proved that you were a part of a family and that allowed you to have access to possessions or land. And if you were royalty, it was really significant, not because it really, it gave you access to wealth because it didn't, the, the royal line had, had been decimated. 
Uh, but what it did is it proved that you could be the Messiah. And people were claiming to be the Messiah. People were saying that I am the Messiah, but if they weren't, if they didn't have royal blood, then they weren't the Messiah, they weren't the promised one, they weren't the king that was connected to David's throne. But Jesus was. And Matthew takes great pains to show us this. And the reason this matters is because there was a prophecy that Nathan had given to King David that upon his throne, there would be a kingdom that would never end. Look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11 says this, the Lord declares to you, again, this is Nathan speaking to King David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Skip down to verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me and your throne will be established forever. So Nathan is saying, hey, God is telling you, King David, that your throne is gonna last forever. Only problem is it doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, in short order, not long after King David, it's torn in two. And not long after that, the whole nation is carried off in exile into Babylon. So this kingdom doesn't last forever. And so the people are looking forward to a day when God will reestablish this promise. Either it was true or it wasn't. And they're all believing that it's true and that there will be a king who reestablished, who connects to the line of David and starts this kingdom that will never end. And it's really, really important to every Jewish person in Jesus's day. Because prophecies in Isaiah would, would also say the same thing. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse one, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Jesse was David's father. And so they're looking for this connection to the line of David. Jeremiah 23 says this, uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will, watch this, reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Don't you wanna follow a king who does what is right? Don't you wanna follow a king who, who honors God, who has integrity, who is flawless, who is worth following? If you look at the history of Israel, it was one right after another who was not that, who was not that. And yet there is promised one to come who will be that and they are waiting. They are waiting with anticipation for someone who will connect to the line of David and yet who will bring a kingdom that is full of righteousness, that is full of justice, that is full of truth and hope and light and grace and that will never end and is worth following because the leader is worth following and Jesus is that king. And Matthew wants us to know it. So... That's where the genealogy comes in, Matthew chapter one. And if you're ready for some riveting genealogy reading, say I am. I am. All right, let's do this, Matthew chapter one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he's going, he takes us all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram, not the truck, the person. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon, not the fish, the man. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. 
Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, which is just fun to say. <laughs> Zerubbabel, the father of Abihad. Abihad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Come on, somebody. We got through it. We got through it. Life-changing. You're ready to run to Hobby Lobby and make a poster. You know what I'm saying? To frame that. Probably not. But in these verses, in these verses, Jesus says something really important. He's saying he's the one we've been waiting for. He says he's the one you've been looking forward to. He's the one that, that has saved me. That's what Matthew's saying. I, I was this guy who didn't deserve to be here. And yet Jesus brought me in. And he changed everything about me. And he gave me hope. And he gave me something to live for. He brought me out of darkness and into light. And he has the power to save. And he has the power to redeem. Because he is the king of the kingdom. Three powerful thoughts from this gene uh, genealogy that I want to take a look at today. First one is this. God has a plan. He has a plan. Second, God works through messed up people. And third, God rescues us by a savior who is both God and man. Before we jump into this one, you turn to three people and say, there's some genius in that genealogy. Come on, find three people next to you and say, there's some genius in that genealogy. First thing is this, God has a plan. God has a plan. This genealogy, if anything, is proving that God always has a plan and he is always working his plan. Can I get an amen? amen? I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, there's, uh, street performers will do this type of art where, where they, they make something and you don't know what it is until like the very last second. Have you ever seen that? Anybody raise your hand? Have you ever seen it? Okay, a lot of you seen it. Anybody ever seen a picture of any kind? Anybody seen art? Anybody seen art? Any, oh, okay, there we go, just make sure, okay. This is art performed on the street, but it's done at the last second, revealed at the last second. And, and uh, so you don't know what it is. It kind of looks like they're just messing around and then they'll like turn it over. And you're like, ah, oh, have you ever seen that? He's like, oh, or like the chalk dissipates. And it's like, oh my goodness. You know, that's, that's what happens with the genealogy. You see like, oh, wait, what? This, wait, him, her, what? Wow, okay, that seems like a left turn. Okay, and then, Jesus, wow, touchdown, field goal. This is incredible. That's what happens with the genealogy. Jesus is showing off. God is showing his amazing plan and how he is working through all kinds of ups and downs and good and bad. He's showing his sovereignty. He's showing his involvement. 
In fact, Jesus has two genealogies. Some of you remember there's one in Luke as well. And, and what's interesting is about these two genealogies are different. So Matthew's genealogy follows Joseph's line. So it's going up the line of Joseph and showing that he is the legal heir because he is adopted. He's an adopted son of Joseph, right? Because he's not technically Joseph's son. He's the father's son because he's born to a virgin. But it shows us that through Joseph's line, he is adopted and he is the legal heir to the throne. Luke's genealogy goes through Mary and shows how he is the blood heir to the throne. Both of them prove that it's only Jesus who could be this. And interestingly enough, it fulfills a prophecy that we talk a lot about at Christmas time. Because, because to Joseph, he is adopted. He, has been, he is a gift to Joseph. And he is born of the virgin. Isaiah says this, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given hundreds of years before Jesus would show up and I don't even know if Luke and Matthew were in cahoots on laying this whole thing out but the whole thing makes me step back and say wow God you are amazing come on somebody isn't that cool and you know what it is it's God just showing off it's God showing off because God wants us to know something he is working his plan because God cares about his plan. He cares about the details. He cares about every aspect of our life. In fact, I believe this is why Matthew makes sure to include something Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, when Jesus says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Anytime a bird falls, God sees it, God knows, and God cares. Anytime you lose a hair, well, praise the Lord. I mean, it's happening every day, y'all. Happening every day. Every time, God cares. God cares about your baldness. That's a good word right there. He, I mean, <laughs> he cares about it. Thank you, Jesus. Just touch it right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want you to know this. God cares about the details because God cares about you. God cares about you. He cares about every aspect of your life. He's not aloof. He's not disconnected. He's not just, he's not checked out. He's not too busy with other things, more important things. God cares about you your situation, your hardships, your difficulties, the struggles that you're facing, God cares about you because God cares. If the sparrow falls and he cares, he cares. He cares about you, he sees you, he knows what you're going through, he's into the details and you need to know this, even though it might seem like you have taken a left turn, God is in control still and he is working a plan and it is a good plan because God is good. And it's a plan to prosper and not to harm. It's a plan that gives you a hope and a future. And that's not just good preaching, that's truth. Because God sees you, God knows you, and he's got something all laid out for you. And it is a good plan. And Matthew, if he were here right now, he would tell you, I've seen it and it is real. 
When Jesus shows up, he's always working. And it seems like maybe things are out of control. It seems like the, the storm is going crazy, but he's always in control because God has a plan and he is working his plan and his plan is good. If you believe it, say, I do. Second thing that we can see today is that God works through messed up people. God works through messed up people. This genealogy is not a list of who's who. It's more of like who's not. These aren't all stars. This isn't the top 40 under 40. This is like the people from, you know, from the movie Shrek the, at the Poison Apple Tavern. You guys remember that? All the criminals. These are all the outcasts. These are all the, the liars, the cheaters, the rebels. Just think about it, just a few of them. Abraham, he lied twice to protect himself. He lied about his wife twice to protect himself. This is the father of the faith. Way to go, Abraham. Jacob was a trickster, deceiver, conniver. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a descendant of incest. David was an adulterer and then committed murder to cover up the adultery. Solomon was a womanizer who was led astray to other gods because of the women that he connected with. Jehoram murdered all six of his brothers and Manasseh killed his own son in idolatry. Messed up. What a lineup for the son of God to come from. How? Why? Wouldn't, wouldn't God wanna pick the good people? I mean, if he is in control, wouldn't he wanna just like connect like all of the people who do the right things and just, just shepherd all this so we can just prove that, man, following God means you're good all the time. I, I really believe that God is intentional in this because even in his lineage, Jesus is teaching us something very important that the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing and has established is not a kingdom of perfection by works, it's one of grace. That's what the apostle Paul talks about all throughout his epistles, but Ephesians 2, he says it so well when he says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The kingdom that Jesus came to establish is one of grace. And in his lineage, Jesus is making this incredibly clear. And I think Matthew is making sure to put all of this in there. Because maybe, maybe more than any of the 12 outside of Judas, Matthew didn't feel like he belonged as one of the disciples of Jesus. Remember, he was a traitor, tax collector, sold out his people, was probably into all kinds of other stuff. I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd bailed out on everything. And yet Jesus comes to him at his tax collector's booth and says, hey, come follow me. And something in that interaction, Matthew said, 
you're, you're it. You're the one. You're the one. All of this money, all of this resource, all of this stuff has left me empty and I want to follow you. I don't belong and yet you bring me in. I bet you, I bet you it's why Matthew's careful to include the story of the prodigal. Talking about this, the lost son. We see that, we see that also in Luke where, where the son goes away. He's a prodigal. And yet he, he, he trades all of the father's wealth on wild living. And yet he's able to come home. He's able to come home and be welcomed home. The same way that Matthew was welcomed into the twelve. I want you to know that God works through messed up people. When you come into the kingdom, you're not coming into a kingdom that is full of people who are perfect, who have it all figured out. You're coming to a bunch of people who don't have it figured out, but just have one thing figured out, the most important thing, that Jesus is king. And as we move towards him, he does this work in our heart. He changes us, and it's him who's doing it. It's not, it's not us. It's not because we're striving or straining. He's changing us. He's changing our desires. He's changing our thoughts. He's changing the way we love. He's changing the way we live, and it's him who is doing it, not because we're trying to put on this show for God, but because we're so moved by grace. We just want to honor him with every aspect of our life, and, and, and there's this amazing work of sanctification that takes place, not because we're, we're perfect, but because he is. Jesus didn't die because you were perfect. He died because you weren't. And the invitation to you is to come and follow him wherever you are on your faith journey. Maybe some of you, the holiday season was terrible. Maybe you did things, you said things that you so regret. And even coming to church today, you're like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I should. I don't know if I belong. The answer, the answer to all of those questions is yes, you do belong. God welcomes you home because we're all imperfect people on an imperfect journey towards a perfect God. And he's changing us in the process. And Jesus' genealogy proves that. And the last thing that I wanna focus on is that God rescues us by a savior who is both God and man. He's both God and man. Jesus is incredibly normal. Incredibly normal. He's born as a baby. In fact, just to, to, just to demonstrate how normal it is, not even like in a normal house, in a stable. He's born in a stable where the animals were kept. He's so normal. He's so earthly. And yet there's something supernatural about him right from the beginning. He's born of a virgin. So it's supernatural. He's natural and supernatural. He's normal and yet completely not normal. He meets us where we are and yet he walks on water. He hangs out with people, he eats with people, he parties with people and yet he takes food and a sack lunch and multiplies it. Matthew wants us to understand that he is, he is so human and yet so divine. He will be tempted, but he'll never give in to temptation. He'll, he will be persecuted, but yet he will never fold. He'll be blamed for things he did not do, and yet he will be honorable and humble. He is so other and yet so close. He is altogether different, and yet he is Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to know this. He sees us. He cares about us, he's in the details, and then he brings us close. 
He not only accepts us and says, all right, you can be a part of the family, but you can't get close. No, no, no. He says, I want to welcome you in to the inner circle. That's what he does with Matthew. That's what he wants to do with all of us. And it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. He welcomes you in and says, come on in. I've got something great for you. I want to take everything that you've experienced and I want to use it for my purposes. And that's what he does with Matthew. And that's why I believe Matthew includes something so powerful. We know it as the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew's like, man, if you could understand this king, if you could understand his kingdom, it would change everything about you. This isn't religion. This isn't just going through motions. This isn't church as normal. This is a, a, a reformation of your heart. This is a revolution of your soul where, where the king reigns and you live for something different and you live for a higher purpose, a higher calling and, and it's so powerful and it's so meaningful and it shapes everything about you and it changes the way you think and it changes the way you treat your spouse and it changes the way you give to others and it changes the way you pray. It changes everything because he is everything. He is the king of the kingdom. And he, and he is worth following with everything. I want to challenge you today. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I want, I want to just, I want to challenge you. Don't look at him as just a religious formula, a get out of hell free card. He is the Lord. He is the savior. He's the king and he will he will captivate your heart like he captivated Matthew's. And you will live for something different. It will change, it will change everything about you if you will let it, if you, if you will let this year be marked by that. Not anything else but knowing him. Matthew is gonna give us a first-hand look and it's gonna change us because the king has changed him. And he'll do the same for us if we'll let him, Amen. Will you stand with me all across this place? Ask the worship team to come. I want to take a moment. I just want us to respond to God and just uh, invite the Lord to have his way in our heart and just ask him to move in our lives to, to cement this idea and to change us with it. And we're going to pray just a moment. As we do, I want to... I want to challenge you, I want to invite you, if you are, maybe you're like Matthew, pre-Jesus, you're on the outside, and you're looking in, I want to invite you just to take that step, take that step of faith, say, I want to know him, it's not, it's not saying I'm going to be perfect, it's not saying I'm never going to do another bad thing again, it's not signing up for a religious system, it's signing up for a relationship, it's just saying yes to a relationship with a living God. And so I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads across this place? Father, I thank you for every person who's here. I thank you for every, every person who is looking to you right now. God, I pray that you would, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, that we would open ourselves to you.
that we would invite you to be the king of our lives. And we would follow you and, and experience all that you have for us. Lord, let it, let it happen. Let it be more than words. Let it be more than motions. But let it be true from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you just want to take a moment and you're here today. God is speaking to you. The Lord is speaking to you. The Spirit of God is speaking to you. The same Spirit that called Matthew from that tax collector's booth is calling you today. You're away from God. God's saying, come home. I want to bring you in. And I don't want to just have you apart. I want to bring you into the inner circle. I want you to be close to me. I want you to know me. I want you to experience my working in your life. And I want to change you from the inside out and change everything about you. If that's you today, and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, I want to pray for you. And I want to believe that in this moment, you will cross over from unbelief to belief. From, no, from a lack of faith to full faith. Not perfect, but moving in the direction of perfection. Jesus himself. And if that's you and God's calling you, he's bringing you home. This is an opportunity just to say yes to the Lord. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to do something powerful in your life. And it, it happened for me. It's happened for so many others in this room. It can happen for you as well. If you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to make a decision, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to make him Lord, to make him king. If you're here today, God's speaking to you. He's drawing you. He wants you to know him. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to do something bold. Just raise your hand here in just a second and say, Scott, that's me. I want to know Jesus. And, and in this move of faith, God will change you from the inside out. You're here today and you're saying, Scott's speaking right to me. I want to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to know God, to make him the king of my life. Would you slip up your hand all across this place? I wanna pray for you. Just hands going up, I see it, yep, over here. Oh my goodness, so many hands. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, over here. Man, thank you so much. I just wanna work. I just wanna see every, just hold it up so I can see it. I wanna pray for every person. Lord, I pray for every person who's raising their hand right now all across this place. Lord, I pray that you would just bring revival to their heart. God, I pray that you would bring newness of life. Lord, so many hands, Lord, you see them, you see their hearts. I pray that there would be newness of life that takes place, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So many hands, and we just, we just applaud you. Come on, church, can we just give it up for every person who's... I'm gonna ask those who be praying for others to come down to the front. If, if you raise your hand, you wanna pray with someone, we'd love to pray with you. If you have a need in your body, we'd love to pray for you as well. We believe that God is here and that he's moving and he wants to work in your life and wants to work on your behalf. If you made a decision to follow Christ, today is like literally the best day of your life because you're, you're moving towards the king and his kingdom and he will begin to change you. Welcome home. And I just want to take a moment before we, before we leave for all of us just to, re, to either affirm that or reaffirm that, that he is king of our lives. The most important thing in this world, he is the most important thing. So we're gonna sing, but can we take a moment? Can you lift your hands across this place? Can, let's just take a moment and pray. And right where you are, let's have a, a personal moment where we just say, God, we just, we make you the king. You are the king. You are the king. Whether we look to you as king or not, you are. Matthew is proving that. Your genealogy attests to that. And, and God, we just, we make you the king of our lives, afresh and anew. We make you the king of our families. We make you the king of our thoughts, the king of our actions, Lord. We wanna follow you this year. We wanna experience who you are and all that you have. We welcome you. We welcome you. 
Lead us, guide us, direct us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, let's worship.